Hello and welcome on to another episode of the ISO Ball Podcast with your host, Derek Terrio, your place to learn about the NBA on and off the court. So this free agency pod has come a little bit late and I apologize for that, but we do have a lot of transactions to go through here, so much so that we need to split this up between the Eastern and the Western Conference. So today we are going to go over the Eastern Conference free agency signings, some trades, this, that, and the other, and... On the next podcast, we'll go over the Western Conference transaction. So we'll start with the first 15 teams in the East, starting in order here with the Atlanta Hawks. The Atlanta Hawks made a lot of big-time moves uh, this offseason. That includes players coming in, Bogdan Bogdanovich coming in on a massive deal for the Atlanta Hawks here. Four years, $72 million. Uh, big signing for the Hawks, we know about the, the falling out with the trade to the Milwaukee Bucks. So the Hawks put in an offer sheet for restricted free agent Bogdan Bogdanovich and the Kings to declined to match. So Bogdan Bogdanovich coming in on that four-year $72 million deal. The Hawks also signing Chris Dunn on a two-year deal at the room exception with the second year, I believe, is non-guaranteed. Uh, Danilo Gallinari. Coming in on a three-year, $61.5 million deal for the Atlanta Hawks. Massive deal here for Gallinari. The last year on that deal is only partially guaranteed, $5 million guaranteed on the last year of that deal. And the last big move here, uh, a couple moves actually. Uh, Solomon Hill coming in on a one-year, $2.174 million deal. That looks to be like the veterans minimum. And Rajon Rondo coming in on a two-year, $15 million deal as well. And then heading out for the Hawks this offseason was DeAndre Bembry, Charlie Brown, Vince Carter, Dwayne Dedman, Travion Graham, Damian Jones, Scala BCA, and Jeff Teague. So quickly here are the Atlanta Hawks. They clearly are uh, accelerating the timeline somewhat here. They've brought in veteran uh, replacements in some instances, but just supplementary players and others. Uh, at every position, uh, point guard, you've got Rajon Rondo, shooting guard, Bogdanovich. Uh, you brought in another backup point guard in Chris Dunn. You've got Solomon Hill to play some three, Gallinari to play some four. And I guess the five is still a, a Clint Capella, Anyeka uh, Kongwu, and John Collins kind of mishmash between those five guys there. So it's clear that ownership really wants the Hawks to make the playoffs sooner rather than later. So this is the answer to that question. I mean, the Hawks clearly now look like a playoff team after spending uh, a lot of money on their free agents, and this team is looking to get expensive going forward here. As you know, uh, DeAndre Hunter, uh, Trey Young is off uh, up for an extension next year. He's uh, almost certain to get the max, barring uh, an unfortunate injury. They got Cam Reddish and Kevin Herter all on. Uh, team options here uh, and extension eligible, the four of them. And obviously the big one is um, is John Collins. John Collins, extension eligible this offseason. He'll be a restricted free agent next season. So this team has some decisions to make about what the direction they want to move forward. Uh, they've got a little battle in camp now between uh, DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish to see who's going to win those minutes at the three with obviously Trey Young taking the one, Bogdanovich taking the two. And the four and five spots being spoken for between uh, Okongwu, Gallinari, Collins, and Clint Capella. 
So we'll see how this works out for the Hawks. I think obviously they're going to be a playoff team this year. They've clearly decided to put uh, development a little bit to the side, at least a little, to try and make the playoffs. And we'll see if it works out for them. But uh, those are the moves for the Atlanta Hawks this offseason. Okay, we got 15 teams, well, 14 teams now to get through, so we have to keep them somewhat brief while trying to give my analysis at the same time. So it's a fine line I'm trying to walk here. Uh, the Boston Celtics. The Boston Celtics uh, ha- did uh, did some drafting uh, of Aaron Naismith this offseason. They brought in Jeff Teague. Uh, let's, finish their dra- let's finish their draft picks first. Uh, so obviously they drafted Anika Kongu to the Atlanta Hawks, but... Um, uh, Brooklyn Nets drafted Aaron Naismith, Peyton Pritchard, uh, while also adding Jeff Teague. Uh, Jeff Teague's deal looks looks to be one year, and just want to bring up the sheet here. Jeff Teague's deal looks to oh they don't have oh yeah they do. Uh, Jeff Teague yeah one year at the minimum looks like for Jeff Teague at one point six million, and uh, the other big signing here Tristan Thompson, who uh, is getting uh, two years at the full mid level of uh, nine point two million. And going out for this team was Gordon Hayward, uh, which we'll get to in a second, Ennis Cantor, Vincent Poirier, and Brad Wanamaker. So it looks like to me, you know, the Celtics did address a need at center. I am actually, oh, and the uh, Jason Tatum uh, max extension there uh, with uh, no player option, it looks like, on the final year. Uh, Full five-year max there for Jason Tatum. I believe it's the 25% max with... um, designators to get him up to 30 if he makes all NBAs and you know the typical type of escalators you see on max contracts etc so uh the Celtics do address a need here at center I am on the bandwagon of Tristan Thompson can still be a good player Tristan Thompson is still young uh despite uh you know him it seems like he's been in the league for so so long but I still think he's under 30 uh if I'm not mistaken so Tristan Thompson does uh, allow for a bit of a switchable center uh to be able to guard on the perimeter a little bit two years at the full mid level for him I don't think is a massive uh payday uh I think Tristan Thompson is well worth that money and then uh, and you got Jeff Teague who uh adds to this very very deep point guard plethora of players with the Celtics. So, and I mean, between Kemba Walker, you know, Marcus Smart technically a point guard, but he can play some two guard as well. So Kemba, Marcus Smart, you've got now Jeff Teague, you got Carson Edwards, Tremont Waters, Peyton Pritchard, Aaron Naismith. You have just a plethora of players here. And, you know, maybe Aaron Naismith, Aaron Naismith you could say is a shooting guard, which is fair, but you know, at least five point guards, uh, you have here, uh, for the for the Celtics, so we'll see how they want to manage all of those uh, all of those po- all those point guard minutes. But quite a few point guards here for the uh, for the Boston Celtics, and I like the uh, overall I like the Tristan Thompson signing. I think that does help them at center. That is an upgrade to me on Daniel Tice, um, who's now going to be uh, competing uh, for backup minutes there with Robert Williams. So I like the signing. Uh, Jeff Teague I like as a backup point guard as well. He could be your third point guard even behind Marcus Smart, which is good. So I like what Boston did this offseason. I don't think they lost anybody uh, too, too major. I think they plugged all of the holes that they needed. I still think they remain uh, a solid defensive team with good offensive upside. So I really like what Boston did this offseason. They they get a good grade from me uh, in terms of what they've done. Okay, moving on to the Brooklyn Nets. The Brooklyn Nets, uh, you know, obviously they have their stars intact in terms of who 
they are building around, and that is the much obvious. Uh, why is the sheet not coming up? Oh, there we go. The much obvious uh, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, but they didn't make the, some moves this offseason as well to bring in a few different players. Now we know about the Bruce Brown uh, acquisition via trade to bring in him. They also brought in Jeff Green, which I thought was a nice uh, nice grab. And they also got Landry Shamit uh, in that three-way trade we talked about on the last podcast as well. So, you know, Brooklyn d- bringing in some good players here. They do have uh, a deep team offensively, but uh, as I pointed out on Twitter and, uh, you know, got a lot of, you know, responses of people giving me all types of stuff here, uh, they still don't have a stopper uh, on the wing. They still don't have anybody who you can put on uh, the best wings in the Eastern Conference and feel comfortable in a game four of a playoff series. Uh, who, who do you want to say is the stopper? You want to say Kevin Durant? 32 years old, coming off an Achilles, is going to guard the best player on the other team and carry the offensive load. I don't think that that's going to happen personally. You can argue otherwise. People seem to think that Torian Prince is this wing-stopping defender uh, who is just absolutely fantastic on the wing. I He was rated one of the worst defenders by PIPM at his position just a couple years ago. I don't see how that uh, how people think that is anything true. You know, you Karis LeVert, Joe Harris, okay, maybe you can get away with them on, on them for possessions, but again, they're not a stopper to me. There's nobody, uh, there's nothing about them that tells me that they're actually going to play big, solid defense uh, and and keeping anybody in check with their defensive tools. Landry Shamit is a no. Kuroks is a no. Uh, I don't think Wilson Chandler is even back for this team. Bruce Brown, to me, is still too small to guard threes. Jeff Green, uh, again, was rated one of the – he was part of that uh, worst defenders at his position list that Bleacher Report put out a couple of years ago by PIPM. Nicholas Claxton, some people believe to think that he's going to be uh, some some kind of force at the four defensively. I don't see it. And then they have Timothy luwalu Cabrero, who I think is their best option right now, despite his foul-prone history. I think he's the best option right now on the wing – for the Brooklyn Nets. So, yeah, they, they, they've done some good things. They have a nice roster here. But to me, nobody is stopping anybody at the three. There's nobody to stop you. Your Pascal Siakams, your Jason Tatums, uh, your Jimmy Butlers, your Giannis, your Drew Holiday, your Chris Middleton. All the, all the teams in the East that are, you know, the big-time contenders – to me, there's nobody stopping their best players uh, on this Brooklyn team. So that remains an issue uh, to me. I think they could have addressed that in free agency with a guy like Derek Jones Jr. or something along those lines. Someone who can actually fit the mold of a defensive first uh, wing that would uh, provide some damage. But the Brooklyn Nets did not do that to me. So I, I remain skeptical about their uh, willingness to kind of just want to score uh, teams game in and game out and that being their only way to win. I mean, it's possible, but I uh, I don't like the strategy personally there for Brooklyn, in my opinion. Okay, the Charlotte Hornets. Oh, boy. The Charlotte Hornets have one major acquisition, uh, and that is Gordon Hayward. Uh, Gordon Hayward, four years, $120 million. They had to stretch and wave Nikola Batum uh, for his remaining $27 million. So uh, as you recall, the way that Wave and Stretch works is you add the formula for that is whatever the remaining years of the contract are, in this case one for Batum, you multiply that by two and add one. So in this case, Batum would be stretched for three years, uh, averaging out the average of the remaining of his contract, which would be about $9 million per year. So if you want to... And that was the room necessary to bring in Gordon Hayward. So if you want to think about it, 
between Gordon Hayward's, you know, $27 million this year, 29 next year, 30 uh, the year after, and 32 the year after that, plus $9 million uh, over the next three years for Batum, you can kind of think about it the same way as saying Gordon Hayward is costing them $39 million in cap space uh, per year for the next three years. And I mean, where where do we start here? This to me, it's just it's it's an awful signing. It's an awful signing to me by the Charlotte Hornets. He doesn't fit the timeline. He's paid like a player, uh, unfortunately, that he has not been in Boston because uh, you know of the traumatic ankle injury when he first got there, and he's just never been the same since. Uh, and you know, as a as a complimentary player for the Hornets, or sorry, for the Boston Celtics, he was he was good. He was a fantastic player as a fourth option. We'll say. For the Hornets, but or sorry, for the Celtics, but the Hornets are now paying him like a number one option, and that is that could be a problem. I mean, he's he's over uh, thirty two year or sorry, over thirty years old. I think he's thirty two now. He doesn't fit the timeline with the Charlotte Hornets. They're also assuming that Gordon Hayward is actually going to put them over the top into the playoff mix. I don't know that that's going to be the case. I don't even know that he's going to stay healthy at this point, which I think is a fair question. There's just so many questions as to why the Hornets would have paid this much for a guy uh, like Gordon Hayward, who I respect tremendously. He's a great person, uh, love his game, all of that sort of stuff. But I just think that this is too much for Gordon Hayward, especially when you consider the Nikola Batum stretch that had to come in concert in order to get him in uh, to the for this signing for the uh, Charlotte Hornets, so I, I'm not big on this uh, this for the Charlotte Hornets. Now they they did draft uh, they did draft Grant Riller and they drafted Lamelo Ball, uh, both of who and Vernon Carey. Uh, I like Grant Riller a lot. I'm a really big fan of Lamelo Ball as well. Uh, they also lost uh, Dwayne Bacon, uh, obviously waived Nicola Batum, Willie Hernan Gomez. Uh, Kobe Simmons and Ray Spaulding, uh, and they got uh, Nate Darling and Co- Gordon Hayward. So Gordon Hayward, Gordon Hayward, their big acquisition, and uh, and yeah, Big Ma- Bismack Biombo came back on about a one-year veterans minimum. So Gordon Hayward was their signing, and uh, I just ca- I think I outlined exactly how I feel about it. I'm not a big fan, and I don't think that this is going to be a bode well for the Charlotte Hornets now and in the foreseeable future. So we'll see how it goes, I guess. Okay, the Chicago Bulls. So the Chicago Bulls, um, they did draft Patrick Williams. They drafted Patrick Williams at four. Uh, some people thought that that was a reach. Uh, Nick thought that was a reach, as you heard on my last podcast. They also brought uh, Noah Vonley in for one year. It looks like $2.1 million, close to the veterans minimum. Denzel Valentine came back on his qualifying offer uh, following a uh, questionable restricted free agency uh, qualifying offer extended to him. So he's coming back at $1.46 million. Uh, Garrett Temple coming back uh, at one point four at one year for $4.7 million. And Zach Norvell coming in at uh, the, looks like the rookie minimum uh, $1.4 million as a camp deal there for the Bulls. So Chicago, you know, along with the addition of Billy Donovan being their new coach, uh, oh, yeah, and obviously Steve Nash being the new coach of the Brooklyn Nets. We know that as well. I don't know exactly um, – I, I, I don't know how, how things are going to work for them. I, I don't see them as a playoff team right now. They didn't make any rash decision moves that are going to hurt them. They have one year left of Otto Porter at $28 million. That's going to come off the books next year, allowing them to have a ton of cap space, which is good to see. They're also going to have Thaddeus Young on a team option. Uh, Saturday, or, sorry, 
Thaddeus Young on a non-guarantee next year along with Thomas Sadoransky. We'll see if those guys get picked up. They also have uh, team options on Kobe White, Wendell Carter, uh, who would be extension eligible next offseason. And uh, Lowry Marketing, who's also a restricted free agent next offseason. This is kind of a year where they're going to make a decision on him as well. So um, still in the rebuilding process here for the Chicago Bulls. We'll see how it goes, how it plays out this year. Uh, but to me, they still have nobody, no real threat at the three uh, at this point. I mean, I guess Garrett Temple is going to play, you know, some three. Maybe Thomas Sadoransky can guard uh, up a couple positions. You know, Thad Young, I guess, is a three. Otto Porter, I guess, can do some uh, three, four guarding or whatever. But um, to me, I think uh, they're going to be it's, it, they're going to be in tough. I think this year, particularly. On offense, just for, just because Zach Levine seems to be the only real go-to option on this team. We'll see where Lowry Market is, etc. But Chicago Bulls still in the rebuilding process, but didn't necessarily hamper their future. So at least good for them uh, in that aspect. Okay, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers. They made a couple of smaller moves this offseason. Nothing big or splashy. Uh, obviously, they made the... Um, the draft, the drafting of Isaac Okoro, uh, brought in Damian Dotson, Thon Maker, JaVale McGee, uh, Lamar Stevens, and lost Jordan Bell, Alfonso McKinney, Tristan Thompson, and Andre Zizic. Uh, none of those guys have anything uh, in particular like terrible about their deals. They just seem like uh, mostly minimum deals and stuff like that. So, you know, Cleveland as well, still in a rebuild. They still got that Kevin Love contract on their books. That's got, that's a tough one to stomach. They've got Andre Drummond on their books for $28 million this year as well. Uh, another year here of development for Darius Garland, Colin Sexton, and now you've got Isaac Okoro coming into play uh, as well. So we'll see what he can provide them uh, uh, at the 2-3 two, uh, two, spot, I would say. Uh, Kevin Porter, another uh, another good player who showed some offensive punch for them. And they'll get some uh, punch out of Dylan Windler as well, who, had, who missed, I think, all of last season with an injury. So we'll see what happens here with this Cleveland Cavaliers team. Again, didn't do anything necessarily to hamper their future uh, they still have some flexibility going forward here, which is good to see for them. Uh, and they're still in that rebuilding process as well. So we'll we'll see how it goes for the Cleveland Cavaliers, but obviously not a playoff team. Uh, but again, didn't do anything to hamper their future, which is uh, good for them. Good for them. Good to stay put and just uh, stay with the course here. Okay, the Detroit Pistons. Oh boy, Pistons got a lot of stuff to go through here. Okay, so the big one. Big two, I should say, for the Detroit Pistons. Jeremy Grant. Jeremy Grant. Okay, He played really well in the bubble for the Denver Nuggets uh, last year. I understand that. But he got a big deal. He got a big deal. And that is a three-year, $60 million deal for Jeremy Grant. Three years, $20 million per year. And wow. I mean, that is a massive deal for a guy like Jeremy Grant. Clearly, to me, an overpay. I don't see any scenario in which he is worth that money based on a small sample sample size of bubble play. He's for that kind of money, he needs to be a real offensive punch because this team this team in in Detroit is lacking offense. Obviously, they lost uh Christian Wood. So now they're looking at yeah, a guy like, you know, Blake Griffin, you know, I'll go through the roster. Blake Griffin, Jeremy Grant, Brandon Knight, Mason Plumley who got a deal I still can't believe to this day. Mason Plumley, three years, twenty-five million. I don't know how I 
I'd like to shake hands with Mason Plumlee's agent because I don't know how he got $8 million guaranteed over the next three years. That is just insane to me. Uh, you've got uh, DeLon Wright. you got Derek Rose. Uh, Rodney Magruder. Thon Maker. Sekou Demboya. Uh, D- Donzin Musa. Uh, Jaleel Okafor. Josh Jackson. Uh, Svee Mikhailuk. Uh, Killian Hayes, Sadiq Bay. Like, where is the offense coming from for this Detroit team? I, I'm Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin, I would assume. But I don't see where the real offensive punch is coming from on offense for this Detroit team. That, to me, is a real problem. I think uh, it was an overpay for Jeremy Grant at three or sixty million. Uh, they uh, did they bring in Wayne Ellington? Uh, there's got some conflicting stuff here on my sheet. It says that they brought in Wayne Elling- Wayne Ellington for uh, one year at the veterans minimum. That that's a nice signing, uh, if that is true. Some of my sheets are conflicting there. Uh, Julia Local for two year two years four million, uh, and yeah, that's about it there for the Pistons. It's just those two big signings: the Jeremy Grant three for sixty, and the Mason Plumlee three for twenty five. Both of which I think are overpays. Both of which I don't think are really helping. The Detroit Pistons at this point, I think they could have got something much better with that money, but hey, to each his own. Uh, are they a playoff team this year? To me, no. To me, they're not a playoff team this year. I don't know how they're going to score the basketball well enough to get to that point, point. Um, and I'm not even sure how they're going to defend well enough to get to that point, to be fair. Uh, so, um, you know, maybe Jeremy Grant uh, continues this, uh, this ability to be a stopper on the wing. That would be good for them. Uh, maybe DeLon Wright takes a step. Der- Derek Rose coming back, uh, or sorry, still on the books there for the MLE. That could be something for them. Maybe Sekou Demboya takes a step. I guess there are some ways that it could happen, but I don't necessarily see them as a playoff team right now. So I guess we'll just have to see what happens going forward. But uh, again, Jeremy Grant, Mason Plumlee look like overpays to me, uh, just off the just off what I see. Indiana Pacers brought in uh, Jalen LeCue. Uh, Kalen Martin, Cassius Stanley, they drafted as a rookie. Elysia uh, Johnson, TJ Leaf. Nothing big here for the Indiana Pacers. They're pretty much going to run it back uh, with their uh, with their new coach. Uh, that's, that would be Raptors assistant Nate Bjorkren, or former Na- Raptors assistant Nate, Nate Bjorkren. So we'll see how things go for them. Obviously, they've got one year left on that deal for... Uh, Victor Oladipo for $21 million. Uh, you still got Brogdon on the books. Still got uh, Turner locked up as well as Demondis Sabonis, who was injured in the bubble last year. You're going to get him back. So let's. They're gonna, Pistons are going to, uh, or sorry, uh, Pacers are going to run it largely. Just run it back here. See what they've got. Justin Holiday did come back for uh, the looks like the mini mid level of uh, five million a year over the next three years, uh, and Jakar Sampson one year at the veterans minimum. So. Uh, and we'll see what Cashless Stanley can bring, can bring them. I think I'm, I was pretty high on him uh, in the draft, although he went late in the second round. So we'll see what happens here for the Indiana Pacers, but largely they're going to run their same team back. Okay, the Miami Heat. Miami Heat uh, obviously drafted Precious Atua. Uh, they brought in Avery Bradley and Mo Harkless. Uh, let's see what their deals are really quick. Apologize for the delay here. So... The Miami Heat, Avery Bradley, uh, two years, $11.5 million, Solid deal for Bradley, although he didn't play in the bubble out of choice. Uh, was still a solid player last year for the Lakers. Goran Dragic coming back on a two-year, $37.4 million deal. Uh, from what I understand, the second year is fully non-guaranteed. So this is really only a one-year risk here for, Goran, uh, for the Miami Heat with Goran Dragic, who, by the way, was fantastic in the bubble last year. 
Uh, who else did they bring in? More Mo Harkless on a one-year, $3.6 million deal. Udonis Haslam coming back. Seems like he's been there forever. One uh, 1.256, that's the veteran's minimum. Uh, Myers Leonard, two years, $20 million, 19.5. I'll cut him some slack. $19.5 million for Myers Leonard. Now, I think that second year is also a team option. Okay, so that's uh, that was a little bit better there for Myers Leonard, which is good. Uh, so that's basically what their signings were this offseason. Uh, a, lo- a lot of stuff they brought back. Oh, obviously, they lost uh, Derek Jones Jr. That was big. They lost Jay Crowder, Solomon Hill, and Andre Iguodala. All, uh, all of those uh, were big losses. Oh, no, Andre Iguodala is still on the roster this year. I don't know why the sheet has them as Andre Iguodala going out. Uh, unless there's a trade that didn't have that happened that I wasn't aware of, but I don't believe there was. So... You know, largely running it back here uh, with the additions of Avery Bradley and Mo Harkless for the Miami Heat. Uh, Harkless and Bradley probably largely taking the space there of Derrick Jones Jr. But the, obviously this team went to the finals last year. Oh, and Jay Crowder. Uh, obviously this team went to the NBA finals last year. They believe that uh, one-year development from their young guys in Tyler Hero, Bam Adebayo, Duncan Robinson, Kendrick Nunn, uh, all can provide them with uh, a little bit more than they did last year. And I uh, I think this team believes that they can get back to the finals once again. So we'll see what happens with the Miami Heat. But again, they uh, – oh, yeah, and the Bam Adebayo – sorry, I keep forgetting. The Bam Adebayo max extension that they gave uh, to what seems like going to sacrifice a little bit of their 2021 space. So they gave uh, the uh, max extension to Bam Adebayo, the 25% max uh, with uh, criteria to bump it up to 30. Uh, No player option on the end of that max deal. But uh, again, Bam Adebayo is going to be locked up uh, for quite a while here with the Miami Heat and good for him for getting his money. Uh, But again, that does sacrifice some space for the Miami Heat uh, in in 2021 as they look to uh, open up a max slot for perhaps a, uh, a big-time free agent to come join their team. Uh, but yeah, Miami Heat running it back. Contenders again in the East this year, and uh, we'll see what happens. The Milwaukee Bucks. Oh boy, the Milwaukee Bucks. So they, they obviously brought in uh, uh, Drew Holiday with a the trade. They also, let's see who else they brought in. They, uh, they got a lot of guys in here. They got in, uh, Jalen Adams, DJ Augustine, Tori Craig, uh, Mamadou Diakite. Uh, they got, uh, off, um, uh, undrafted. They brought on a two way, I believe Bryn Forbes, Drew Holiday, Justin James, Jordan, uh, Nora, Bobby Portis, and Nick Stauskas. Uh, out, they lost Eric Bledsoe, Sterling Brown, George Hill, Ursan Ilyasova, Kyle Korver, Robin Lopez, Frank Mason III, Wesley Matthews, Cameron Reynolds, and Marvin Williams. This is a big overhaul for this team. A lot of things have now changed for them. Um, you know, DJ Augustine coming uh, at the three years of most of the MLE, but not all of it, $7 million a year over the next three years for DJ Augustine. Uh, they did uh, use more than the uh, uh, tax pyramid level. They used a non-tax pyramid level, which means they are now hard-capped at the apron. Uh, so a lot of their signings uh, after the Drew Holiday trade and the DJ Augustine contract were of a small variety. So Pat Connaughton did come back, you know, uh, uh, th- um, what did they get, three years, $18 million with, uh, I think, a player option or team op- uh, early ter- early termination option on the last year for Augustine at three years, $16 million. They brought in Bobby Portis, one year, three million. Uh, Bryn Forbes, uh, one basically one year, two uh, 
2.3 million. Again, a lot of these have the second year, like non-guaranteed or something like that. Torrey Craig, one year at the minimum, I thought was a great signing for the Milwaukee Bucks to have him and come in and play real minutes at the three for them. Uh, he's probably going to start. Uh, actually, maybe not start at the three. I like. I guess that Chris Middleton will probably uh, do that. Excuse me. Um, and I think, um, yeah, but Torrey Craig really will give them some minutes. Uh, obviously lost Kyle Korver, and then we'll see what they get from Jordan Nora and Sam Merrill. But this team is like all in on signing Giannis. We already talked about this uh, on a previous podcast. You would hope that with all these moves, uh, there's uh, an already preconceived notion that Giannis is going to sign the Supermax next season or next offseason with the Milwaukee Bucks. But again, uh, the uh, there's a few teams that are still keeping their you know cap space open in case one Giannis Antetokounmpo were to become available. So it doesn't seem like a foregone conclusion that Giannis is going to sign this max because I don't think that if it got around the league that he was going to sign, the teams would still be doing uh, what they're doing in terms of keeping their cap space open. So hopefully, you know, he signs this maximum deal for the sake of the Bucks because obviously we talked about the two unprotected picks, the pick swaps uh, going out uh, and, this, and the pick that they sacrificed in this year's draft as well. So uh, I would expect the Milwaukee Bucks again to be a contender, and we're going to see uh, you know what happens with them uh, obviously as this coming this this season comes through. But uh, they've got uh, a lot of depth, a lot of higher end talent at the top, and a lot of depth uh, that got sacrificed for uh, lower quality depth, uh, in my opinion. So again, uh, we we are going to see how how this plays out. Uh, depth is more important this year with COVID nineteen. Uh, you know, with guys coming in and out of the lineup most likely because of positive tests, depth is going to be important for not only the playoffs but the regular season as well. And Milwaukee sacrificed a lot of that to upgrade their high, uh, higher-end talent. So we will see what happens with the Milwaukee Bucks this offseason. Okay, the New York Knicks. The New York Knicks, uh, oddly competent. Nothing crazy this offseason for them, which is uh, fairly new for the Knicks. Uh, Alec Burks. They signed one year, six million. Michael Kidd Gilchrist, one year, uh, two point three million. That looks like the minimum. And Nerlens Noel, one year's five million. Solid, uh, solid contract there for Noel. Uh, Alfred Payton, one year, four point seven million. Uh, Miles Powell, uh, one year at the looks like the rookie minimum. Uh, and Austin Rivers, three years, ten million. And uh, let me check that three years, ten million because I believe. There's some non-guarantees for Austin Rivers. Yes, the second and third year are non-guaranteed for Austin Rivers. So really only a one-year risk here for the Knicks. Uh, Knicks still have about $18 million in cap space. Obviously, this team is still rebuilding like they have been for a long time. They're looking, I would hope, to build around R.J. Barrett with a little more shooting. Now, I don't see where that shooting is coming from. You know, Reggie Bullock uh, is a bit of a shooter. You, maybe Austin Rivers can knock down some catch-and-shoot threes. But other than that, you know, Frank Nielakina, Alec Burks is more of a, you know, off-the-dribble shooter. Dennis Smith Jr. has just been lost in the rotation. I, I really hope that he can get back. I really have high hopes for him uh, that he can turn it around this season. You know, Reggie Bullock can knock some threes. Maybe Kevin Knoxby uh, ups his three-point shooting game a little bit. And that's pretty much all they got, uh, assuming they are still building around R.J. Barrett. Oh, and, and uh, drafted Obi Toppin and Emmanuel quickly uh, this year as well. Uh, they also lost Damian Dotson, Wayne Ellington, Taj Gibson, Mo Harkless, Bobby Portis, and Kenny Wooten, and brought in Alec Burks, Jacob Evans, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, Nerlens Noel, Emmanuel quickly, Austin Rivers, Omari Spellman, and Obi Toppin as well. So 
Knicks not doing anything crazy despite having a ton of cap space this offseason. Off a lot of people expected them to go and blow it all in one player or something uh, you know, silly like that. They didn't do that uh, to their credit. They're staying the course. That new management there uh, with Leon Rose and uh, Worldwide West seems to uh, be on course at least for now. And uh, we'll see how they, they move going forward. Uh, Knicks obviously don't project as a playoff team. But uh, they didn't. Uh, they didn't blow it, which is uh, something that uh, can be said as a good thing there for the New York Knicks. Okay, the Orlando Magic. The Orlando Magic. Uh, they brought in uh, drafted Cole Anthony at fifteen, a pick that I really liked. Uh, brought in Dwayne Bacon, uh, Jordan Bone, Robert Franks, uh, Kareem Main, uh, Chumo Kiki. They still have uh, who didn't play at all last year. They're going to get their first look at him this year, and they lost DJ Augustine. Melvin Fraser, Wes Wundu, B.J. Johnson, and Vic Law. Uh, so nothing crazy in terms of changes here for... Oh, and Evan Fournier coming back. He picked up his player option as well. So nothing changes here for the Orlando Magic. Largely the same roster here. Again, uh, they're going to get Jonathan Isaac back hopefully this year, which will help. Uh, looks like they're going to give the keys to um, Marco Fultz as the starting point guard here. And I'm not sure if they're going to play... Uh, Cole Anthony and Markel Fultz together at the one and the two. I'm not sure how that's going to work exactly, but we will see. Uh, they still have, uh, you know, obviously Aaron Gordon. They still have Nikola Vucevic. They still have Terrence Ross, uh, Alfaro Camino. A lot of this roster is staying the same here. Uh, just with the addition of Chumo Kiki, who they're going to get their first look at uh, coming off the injury, like I said. And they still got Mobamba. Uh, who they've got a, a team option on uh, next year, who will be extension eligible next year. So Orlando Magic largely going to stay the course. Is this a playoff team? I don't know at the moment. They're going to be fighting for that eight seed, most likely. They don't necessarily project as a lock for the playoffs to me right now, but we will see You know how things go for them. I think right now when you, when you look at the Orlando Magic, you want to you wanna see what you have here in Marco Fultz uh, and whether or not you can trust Cole Anthony to be the person that takes over for a guy like Fultz or whether Fultz is going to be part of your long-term future. I think that's a decision you have to make this season. You want to see what you have against still in Mobamba. I think you know what you have in a guy like Jonathan Isaac. We'll see what he comes back uh, as this season. He's a restricted free agent next season. So uh, we'll see just ex- just how much he can show coming off that injury. And it's, it's more of an evaluation slash competition year here for Orlando, if, if you want to consider fighting for the 8th seed competition. Uh, but they've got some things to kind of lo- work out and see what they've got uh, going on there for them. So Orlando Magic, uh, they're going to be competing for an 8th seed in my opinion. Okay, the Philadelphia the 76ers. Interesting offseason with new general manager Daryl Morey. They made some moves. Uh, did they ever? And most of them came via trade. So new guys that are coming in. Justin Anderson, Tony Bradley, Seth Curry, Terrence Ferguson, Danny Green, Dwight Howard, Isaiah Joe, Dakota Mathis, Paul Reed, Derek Walton, and going out were Alec Burks, Al Horford, Raul Neto, Kyle Quinn, Norvell Pell, uh, Josh Richardson, Glenn Robinson, Mariel Shayok, and Zaire Smith. I think Norvell Pell is still on the roster, actually. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, um, no, it does not look like Norville Pella's on the roster. He he's no longer. So, oh, and they brought in Tyrese Maxey to draft in Tyrese Maxey. So, it's clear that Daryl Morey made trades. You know, adding shoot, adding real quality shooting. You know, Danny Green, 
Seth Curry. Those guys were, even Terrence Ferguson sometimes can be a quality shooter. Those guys were brought in specifically to play around Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid to see, do we have what we think we have in Embiid and Simmons, or do we need to play, do we need to trade one of them? This is a clear move to me in the direction of, we need to see what we have uh, when we build uh, around Simmons and Embiid the correct way. And that's what that, uh, that's what Daryl Morley is doing here. He was very cash-strapped. This team is still uh, into the tax, about $7 million in the tax. They're going to pay, pay about $13 million in tax this year, which is to be expected. But they do have some nice quality players in Danny Green now and Seth Curry. Uh, they do have Tyrese Maxey, who I thought was nice value there at 21. Uh, um, I'm not sure if they're going to bring back Glenn Robinson III. I think he actually just signed elsewhere as I started the pod. They brought in Dwight Howard, who likely will give uh, for the minimum, which will likely give Joel Embiid a rest should he need it or perhaps just provide some backup center uh, minutes for them. You know, obviously still have a defensive stopper in Matisse Teibel, another backup center in Tony Bradley. So it looks like they've got their positions, you know, set down here. And I think this is more of a, let's see what they have in Simmons and Embiid year for uh, for Daryl Morey in terms of trying to find out what they've got. And they've obviously brought in Buck Rivers as their new head coach as well. So let's see what they've got here. I think Philadelphia is obviously still a playoff team. Are they a contender? I don't know yet 100% if they're a contender. I think that's they're on the cusp of it maybe, um, but I'm, I'm not going to say for sure that they are a contender right now. But they surely have improved their roster. They definitely got better from last season. They've did, they definitely have pieces that fit better around their star players than last season. So I think they did take a step in the right direction here if you are – the 76ers, and uh, I think they're they're going to have a more interesting season this year than they are last year. Last year, they've maintained their defensive identity and, and increased the amount of shooting they have around their star players. I think there was a nice move here from Daryl Morey. They were able to cut their tax bill a little bit. So Philadelphia, great offseason. They are one of the uh, one of the better ones in the Eastern Conference, in my opinion. Okay, uh, the Ra- the Toronto Raptors. So the Toronto Raptors, uh, obviously, they brought in Aaron Baines, DeAndre Bembry, Henry Ellison. They drafted Malachi Flynn, uh, Elysia Johnson, Alex Len, and Yuto Wananabe. Uh, they also brought uh, drafted Jalen Harris with 59. And going out is Marcus Gasol, uh, Dwayne Hernandez, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, Serge Ibaka, and Malcolm Miller. So with the Toronto Raptors, uh, this is basically uh, a year that says, okay, we need to stay as competitive. Oh, and the Fred Van Vliet extension, uh, obviously, which was uh, four years, $25 million with a player option on the last year with a dip in salary, about 8% dip in salary in 2021, obviously with the idea of trying to preserve some cap space uh, for a max contract there. So... It, it looks to me like the Toronto Raptors are trying to stay as competitive as possible to ensure that they are attractive to a potential max free agent while still being able uh, to keep 2021 space open for that max free agent. So this this is more of a transition year for the Toronto Raptors, uh, obviously bringing in Aaron Baines at, the, at a little bit uh, less than the full mid-level. Uh, $7.1 million. Second year is the team option. And then they've also got uh, DeAndre Bemery, one year at the minimum team option next year as well. And then Alex Len, uh, which is the rest of that MLE, uh, $2.3 million in addition to that. So, they again, they lost Marcus Gasol 
and Serge Ibaka, two good centers for them. Replaced it with two lower quality centers, pretty obviously, in Aaron Baines and Alex Len. But those are more stop gaps to me to see what they can do with our cap space in 2021, where they'll be much uh, bigger and, and larger, more free agents uh, to fry with possibly uh, even a max player to get them there. And if they don't get that max player, they can even... Um, they can even add supplemental pieces. Uh, you know, they'll probably have the full mid-level next year as well uh, and cap space to use in addition to that. So the so the Raptors are still going to be a playoff team this year. How far they're going to go, they'll probably project around what they did last year. You know, second round uh, exit or hard-fought second round, uh, I think is probably what you're looking at next year for the or this coming season for the Raptors. Obviously, they're also playing in Tampa Bay. Uh, so we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens with them. But uh, I think this is more of a transition year, with the eye being towards next year when the when those max free agents come out on the market. And finally, in the East, the Washington Wizards. Uh, they basically brought in uh, Anthony Gill, Robin Lopez, Raul Neto, Cassius Winston, and going out Jerry and Grant, uh, Jan Mihimi, Shabazz Napier, Gary Payton II, Admiral Schofield, Jared Utoff, and Jonathan Williams. So. Obviously, the problem, the the big problem with this Washington team is defensively. They are, uh, and they're obviously getting John Wall back this year too, which uh, I think should be uh, noted. So the problem, oh, and why did they have Dav- the Davis Bertans deal in, on the sheet that I'm looking at? Sorry, my pro- my apologies. Davis Bertans coming back on a massive deal for uh, the Washington Wizards, five years, eighty million for Bertans. And, you know, this was a guy who was very coveted, you know, this offseason, clearly a guy uh, that had a market uh, for himself. Uh, he, the last year is non-guaranteed on the Bertans deal. Uh, but this is, uh, you know, a absolute flamethrower three-point shooter. Obviously chose not to enter the bubble, given uh, he had some uh, minor tweaks and injuries that he needed to take care of. And had uh, pretty much some guaranteed money on the table for him uh, as his first guaranteed deal as well. So, Davis Bertans coming back on a massive deal here for the Wizards. Uh, Robin Lopez uh, gets one year, $7.3 million. Uh, who else came in? You know, Raul Neto at the minimum. You know, largely running it back here with uh, this Washington team. and But their problem is just going to be defensively again. Is Are they going to be able to stop anybody? And they're going to have a big-time offense like they did last year. But again, we, we saw that that wasn't necessarily enough uh, for them to actually do uh, what they needed to do. Uh, in the bubble and otherwise. I mean, they were the second worst defensive team in the league uh, last year, and not by much. They could have been. The, they could have been the worst. And they, I think they were a top ten offense with Bradley Beal at the helm. And now you're getting John Wall back, uh, who should help with that as well. You know, Thomas Bryant looking to be thrusted into more of a. Uh, may, you know, maybe Robin Lopez is going to start actually, and you'll have Thomas Bryant off the bench as a scoring punch. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, Wizards don't project as a playoff team to me. I think they're going to be outside, out, on the outside looking into the playoffs, uh, which makes sense. And uh, they've got you know a lot of um, a lot of team options next year with you know Rui Hachimura, Jerome Robinson, Troy Brown, and Mo Wagner. All of those I would expect them to pick up as they're not really that much. They still have uh, a little bit of cap space to work with. Um, you know, this year of 41 million of John Wall, next year 44 million of John Wall, and then he's got the player option for 47 million the year after. So you know, he unfortunately remains one of the worst contracts in the league. Uh, but again, big time offense, no defense for this team. I think that pretty much equals on the outside looking in of the eight seed in my opinion. 
Okay, that was the Eastern Conference. Thank you so much for listening. We'll try to get the Western Conference in as soon as possible. The preseason seems to start in about a couple weeks. Uh, we might have fit one more podcast uh, in there in addition to the Western Conference free agency update. And then we've got the season starting, it seems, December 22nd. So basketball is right around the corner once again. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk soon.